Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond. I'm Will Johnson. The show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. I think the Weld County connection where they were found is, was just an opportunity. That's one thing about all four of these women. They were mothers. She was the sweetest person. She was very giving, very loving. In addition to losing her mom, I think, you know, in speaking with her, it, it robbed her of her sense of, you know, safety and security. It sounded like just somebody, it wasn't like drugs or money. It was like somebody got angry at her and wanted to kill her. He's now looking for any new leads to be able to see if he can piece anything together and actually connect these four women to one sole killer or two killers or however many. My name is Janet Oravets, and I am a digital web producer at KUSA in Denver, Colorado. My name is Darius Johnson. I am a reporter and fill-in anchor at Nine News, KUSA in Denver. Earlier this year, Janet Oravets and Darius Johnson reached out to law enforcement agencies around Colorado in search of cold cases they could look into for a new unsolved TV news series. We started reaching out to reaching out to some departments, and as we started to hear back, we just kind of looked to see what department may have had a lot going on or what cases really needed to be looked into. And then Weld County Sheriff's Office was one of the agencies that got back to us, um, and they they were fully on board with it. They kind of sent us a couple cases they thought we might be interested in, um, in addition to sending us their full. Um, cold case list, which they have online. Four cases from that list caught their eye. Those of Yvonne Rabb, Robin Nelson, Valerie Meeks, and Tammy Cheeks. Four women, all found dead in Weld County, Colorado, outside of Denver in the 1980s and 90s. They were all um, known to, to work as sex workers on Colfax Avenue in Denver. So they were kind of from the same area. They were all found in rural Weld County. They were all African-American women. Um, they were all mothers. So there were quite a few things, you know, on the surface that seemed um, to indicate that maybe these cases were related. But of course, we didn't know anything really at that time. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com odyssey. According to the Weld County Sheriff's Office, a law enforcement task force was created in 1988 to investigate the possibility of a serial killer targeting sex workers in the Denver area dating back to 1975. 
and it would continue through 1995. The cases of Yvonne Rabb, Robin Nelson, Valerie Meeks, and Tammy Cheeks all fit within that time frame, spanning from 1981 to 1992. The main reason we decided to look into these four women, there was a homicide task force set up back in the late 80s regarding sex workers who were being killed and they were just being found dead in other places. Once we started seeing that there was this task force really focusing on this big problem, then you had these four specific women who all worked in a specific area, and then they were all found dead somewhere else. We were like, wait, what's going on here? And the detective kind of brought it to us as, hey, I think there is a pattern here. There could be one sole killer. I really want to get this one out there. They've never really had much media coverage. Darius Johnson and Janet Orovitz sat down with Detective Byron Castellan who joined the Weld County Sheriff's Office in 2020 and became the department's first ever full-time cold case investigator. So for the past year, he's been going back into their case files room, reopening cases that have never been solved, going through those notes and evidence and things of that nature, reaching back out to family members to see who may still be alive, even witnesses and detectives who may have worked on those cases, just to see what traction he may be able to make and see if he's able to crack these cases or close them. I think the Weld County connection where they were found is, was just an opportunity. Byron Castellan is a Well County cold case detective. And most of my job as a cold case detective is reading over what other detectives and what other people have made statements on. He spent the last year revisiting dozens of cold cases. Getting a timeline going and finding out uh, what facts I can go on. Including the deaths of Yvonne Rabb, Robin Nelson, Valerie Meeks, and Tammy Cheeks. Just murdered and they, they appeared to have been uh, dumped off of uh, county roads, rural, rural areas, found by uh, farmers or hunters sometimes. The first of these four cases was that of Yvonne Rabb, a 28-year-old mother last seen alive in the fall of 1981. That was the first of the four victims that we were covering in our um, cold case series here. Um, And her case was actually one of five priority cases that was assigned to Detective Castellan. Just because when he started the role, there were some cases that, um, you know, they were older cases, which were kind of assigned as priority. And then also having potential workable leads. So Yvonne Rabb was a mother. That's one thing about all four of these women. They were mothers. She was last seen on November 14th, 1981. And she was out at a bar in this area called Five Points here in Denver. Um, pretty popular bar at that time. It was called Big Al's. She had been spending some time at the bar, at some bars, talking to friends, playing pool. Big Al's bar being so long ago, it no longer exists, but that was the name of the bar at the time. And a witness actually reported that they had seen her go into an alley with a couple other people, and they said that one of them was armed with a shotgun. That witness later reported that they heard a shotgun. The witness said that they heard uh, a shotgun blast. They heard one gunshot. They never saw her again after that. Unfortunately, the witness was not able to identify the people that she was with. Um, So not a good lead there, but they know that she was last seen on that night. And her body was found um, just the next morning um, in rural Weld County. And uh, Detective Castle noted that she had indeed been shot to death. This is about an hour north from where she was last seen. So everyone is immediately like, 
how did this happen? She was just seen here and now she is found dead an hour away, about 50 miles away outside of Denver. What happened to her? One theory is that someone may have put out a contract to have Yvonne Rabb killed. But who that person might have been, investigators still don't know. Detective Caslon couldn't remember quite who it was from, but we, we heard it was maybe her sister who has now sadly died. Um, there was word that maybe a there was a contract kill, um, that someone for some unknown reason wanted her dead. Um, the problem with that, though, according to our cold case detective, is that they never had a name to associate with this, you know, quote unquote, contract kill. Um, so that was something they looked into. But again, it was, you know, they had this uh, kind of someone saying this, this might have been a contract kill, um, but there was no name associated with it. He also said it didn't appear that this quote-unquote contract was related to drugs or money, and it was someone that may have been maybe just mad at her and um, wanted her dead. It sounded like just somebody, it wasn't like drugs or money, it was like somebody got angry at her and wanted to kill her. In 1988, another woman would go missing. Robin Nelson, 22-year-old African-American mother and daughter, she was last seen June 7th of 1988, just after midnight. Five days later, on June 12th, the body of Robin Nelson was found a little over a mile away from where Yvonne Rabb's body had been discovered seven years earlier. Then she was discovered June 12th in Weld County. She was also found near Decono, uh, near I-25 and County Road 8. Robin Nelson, this is the one case that is a little bit different than the other ones that we profiled in that according to the sheriff's office, it appears that she actually died of a drug overdose. But they don't know whether this was an accidental drug overdose, an intentional drug overdose, or anything like that. So she wasn't shot. She possibly had a drug overdose. So she might not have been intentionally murdered, but obviously she was dumped. So if you talk to Detective Castellan, he said, you know, this might not be a homicide, but there is someone who knows something. And, you know, if this was an accidental death, they would still be culpable for, you know, dumping her body up there in a field, um, not contacting authorities, sort of not doing the right thing. According to the Weld County Sheriff's Office, someone who lived near where Robin Nelson's body was found reported that her dog had been barking at someone around 11.30 p.m. on June 10th, 1988, which the sheriff's office says is consistent with Nelson's time of death and the possible time her body was dumped on the side of the road. Detective Castellan says he's been in contact with Robin Nelson's husband and daughter, who described a man associated with a brown van who worked at a restaurant on Colfax Avenue. Got descriptions of a brown van and a a strange friend, you know, just a friend of hers that she would hang out with. Um, try, I'm working on trying to identify him. And they kind of gave this lead about this unknown man who was associated with a brown van. And what they said is that, you know, this was a person who was known to do drugs with Robin. And so Detective Castlin wants to find out who that gentleman is. He said that he had this brown van. He worked at a restaurant on Colfax Avenue, where, again, we know that um, Robin Nelson worked. Uh, she was a sex worker along Colfax Avenue. So that would sort of be the connection there. But so far, that kind of mystery man in the brown van um, 
hasn't been identified. So that's, that's someone who, you know, they'd like to talk to and just see what, what he knows. That's the one person that they brought up. And I know right now that's who Byron Castellan is looking for. And that's who he's hoping to speak to. Just three years later, in July of 1991, another woman went missing. Valerie Meeks. The one thing that was a little different with Valerie, she was a little older than the other victims. She was a 36-year-old woman at the point in time. And her daughter, Idrissa, reported her missing to police on July 3rd of 1991. Darius Johnson had a chance to speak with Valerie's daughter, Idrissa Meeks. She was the sweetest person. She was very giving, very loving. Idrissa told me she remembered talking to her grandmother and her grandmother had said she hadn't heard from mom. So they began to worry at that point. Valerie and her kids did not live together. It was kind of a situation where, you know, everyone was kind of back and forth, but mom would always come around. So with her not coming around, they began to worry. And so when my grandmother said that she hadn't heard from her, then I called and I had filed a missing persons report. You know, with the police department. Soon, the family's worry turned to grief. Two weeks later, on July 17th, Idrissa got a call to go to the police department after she filed this missing persons report for her mother. She got a call from the Aurora Police Gang Unit, um, and they just, they didn't want to tell her anything over the phone. And so she sort of knew at that point, um, you know, that her mother wasn't alive and and wasn't coming home. And sadly, her mother was found on July 17th in Well County outside of Erie. Her mother was found with a bag, a plastic bag over her head, dead in an empty field. And her death, we actually know, um, she was found with a plastic bag over her head. um, And the cause of death in this case was determined to be uh, suffocation. More than 30 years later, Valerie Meek's children hold on to vivid memories of their mother, a woman they describe as loving, energetic, funny, and beautiful. Idrissa, the one thing with her that she remembers is her mother's beautiful voice. She says she'll never forget going to a fast food restaurant drive through one day, and they were making the order, and someone said, Valerie, is that you? And without even seeing her, they knew it was her mother because of how soft and sweet her voice was. So just to hear kids remember that and be able to hold on to that memory so many years later. She said that her mom was loving, energetic, funny. I think one of the things that stuck out with me is, is you know, she was talking about all the things that this kind of robbed her of, you know, being 19, you know, her mother, the things you expect her to be there for, you know, right? She talked about how she was never going to see her again. She wasn't going to see her graduate from college or, you know, grow up, get married, have children. Um, One of the other things she talked about was just kind of right after this happened was, you know, not knowing who did this to her mother and not and kind of having to worry about her own safety, you know, because she didn't know, was this perpetrator someone who knew her mother? You know, was this someone who might want to go after her because she knew that she had children? So in addition to losing her mom, I think, you know, in speaking with her, it it robbed her of her sense of, you know, safety and security. The last of the four cases Janet Orovitz and Darius Johnson looked into came in 1992 when the body of another young woman was found in Weld County. This was another woman. I was fortunately able to meet her family as well. Tammy Cheeks was a 
24-year-old woman who was so sweet and loving and beautiful. And her stepmother, who I met with, said, you know, she just got mixed up in the wrong crowd. And so what we know about her is on November 15th, 1992, that's her body was found by hunters in uh, a concrete irrigation ditch in Weld County in near Hudson. Um, we know that she had been reported missing about a week earlier, according to the Weld County Sheriff's Office. For investigators, the details of this crime were eerily familiar. What was so crazy about this case, just the year before, Valerie Meeks had been found with a plastic bag over her head. Timmy Cheeks was also found with a plastic bag over her head. Due to the condition of her remains, a cause of death couldn't be determined in this case. But that plastic bag, that similarity to the Valerie Meeks case, caused Detective Castellan to search for other possible connections between the two. They had similar friends and associates, so it's nothing nothing in the case file that I could find stating that they interacted like they were friends, but they, I imagine they would have known each other. Tammy Cheeks also had a known connection with one of the other women. She knew Robin Nelson. You know, I'm not sure if they were close friends, but they were acquaintances. So these were women who worked in the same area and who knew each other. And you just started to look at those similarities of it. How are all of them being found dead in Well County? So just kind of a, a weird coincidence there that, you know, it appears that her death is very likely connected to that of Valerie Meeks, even, you know, potentially maybe the same person is responsible. Um, and then she also had, was an acquaintance of Robin Nelson, who was found dead in Weld County uh, years earlier. Detective Castellan told KUSA he's looked at three different convicted killers as potential suspects in these cases. One was Vincent Groves. So he was a convicted serial killer who died in prison in 1996. And he was looked at in a couple of these cases, um, particularly with the Yvonne Rabb and Robin Nelson cases, because, um, you know, those were the older cases um, where he would have been kind of out and about in the community and could have been responsible for those cases. But he was actually, by the time... Valerie Meeks and, and Tammy Cheeks were killed in the, in the early 90s. He was already in prison. So Vincent Groves obviously, you know, could not have been connected to those two cases, but he was looked at for the two earlier incidents that we were talking about. Castellan said in the end, there wasn't any substantial evidence tying Groves to any of these cases, and they couldn't interview him because he died in prison. But Castellan was able to speak with another convicted killer about these cases a man named Richard Paul White. He had pleaded guilty to five murders. Um, one of them was a friend or acquaintance of his. Um, the four others were sex workers. So obviously that would be a reason that, you know, he might've been looked at in this case. According to Castellan, White would have been too young to be considered a viable suspect in the Yvonne Rabb and Robin Nelson cases. But he was 19 by the time Valerie Meeks was killed. The detective said White was forthcoming and spoke openly about the killings that had landed him behind bars. But when it came to these unsolved cases, he didn't share any information. Detective Castellan told KUSA, quote, he said that if he killed them, he would have told me, end quote. Castellan also interviewed a man named Billy Reed, who was convicted in 2008 of killing two women who'd been found dead in Jefferson County, Colorado in 1989. But according to the detective, Reed also denied involvement. 
saying he was innocent of everything, not only the Weld County cases, but also the cases he'd been convicted of. He denied it all. He, you know, even though he had been convicted by a jury of these two killings, he he was very adamant that he was innocent of those killings. And he, he definitely had nothing to do with any of the Weld County cases that uh, Detective Castellan uh, was working on. With all of these interviews turning up little information, Detective Castellan has been left pursuing other avenues. So I think right now with him really ruling out a lot of those potential suspects or those persons of interest, what they were at that point in time, he's now looking for any new leads to be able to see if he can piece anything together and actually connect these four women to one sole killer or two killers or however many. Well, any tips would be very much welcome. Obviously a, a confession would be big if somebody wants to come forward and confess to these murders. As with all cold cases, there's also a hope that new technology might lead to answers. The technology for DNA and, and any crime scene evidence that we have is advanced more now, um, and it's broken old cases before. But for now, the families of these four women, Yvonne Rabb, Robin Nelson, Valerie Meeks, and Tammy Cheeks, are left not knowing who killed their loved one. For me, it would mean a lot. It just kind of would be a relief and maybe some type of closure. For the family of Valerie Meeks, they said closure would not bring her back. But for them, it lets them know that someone cared about their mother besides them. Someone continued to work 30 years later to ensure their mother's death was not in vain. I know that's the one thing most families hope for. I know with Judy, who is Tammy Cheeks' stepmother, she's not sure what may come out of it. You know, many of these families have remained hopeful for so long. Some of them have now put it in the back of their mind and continuing to live their lives. Tammy Cheeks has a son who is now caring for her stepmother. So that's her pride and joy right now. That's where her focus is every day. But still, I know there isn't a day that goes by where she doesn't think of Tammy. She hopes that this will bring something. But again, she says she's not holding her breath, which I think that's also the sad part with many of these families is that they feel that way because it's been so long. Torture Crime Chronicles. I'm Will Johnson here with Reed Redman. Reed, just a few questions about this episode. You brought up this Denver Homicide Task Force that was created in the 80s to look into unsolved cases. Talk a little bit more about that and about where these four cases fit into that broader investigative effort. Right. Janet and Darius look specifically in their reporting at this Weld County angle, these four possibly interconnected cases in Weld County. But that task force was formed to investigate killings all over the Denver metro area. I learned a little bit more about that effort from a 2019 Denver Post article in which reporter Kirk Mitchell talked about the formation of that task force. He said it involved 18 different law enforcement detectives and investigators that came together to investigate dozens of unsolved murders of young women who were taken from Denver, killed, and then dumped in rural areas surrounding Denver. And Mitchell reported that at the time in 1988, which is when this task force was formed, investigators were initially thinking one serial killer might be responsible for all or for most of these cases. And it wasn't long before they identified Vincent Groves, who, as we learned earlier in the episode, has been looked at in these Weld County cases. 
Before his death in prison, Vincent Groves had been convicted of three murders, but investigators have since tied him to other cases through DNA, and they say he could be responsible for more than a dozen killings, potentially. So there was a serial killer active in the area targeting sex workers, including some who worked along Colfax Avenue. But the theory that there was one serial killer responsible in all of these different cases started to fall apart after Groves was arrested because the cases continued to happen. So then we have this question of how many killers were out there, how many of these cases could be tied to the same killer, how many could be isolated incidents. And so that's the context in which this Weld County cold case investigator is looking at the cases of these four women in Weld County, Yvonne Rabb, Robin Nelson, Valerie Meeks, and Tammy Cheeks. And as we heard, there are a couple striking similarities across these four cases, but there are also some key differences that might suggest they weren't all victims of the same killer. Right, and probably the most notable difference is the different causes of death here. Yvonne Rabb was shot. Robin Nelson's cause of death was undetermined, but investigators in that case aren't even sure that the crime they're investigating is a homicide. And then Valerie Meeks and Tammy Cheeks were both found with plastic bags over their heads. So thinking about one serial killer being responsible for all of these cases, it does kind of start to feel like a stretch. As we heard, this cold case investigator in Weld County isn't totally ruling out the possibility of one killer being responsible. But looking at all those differences, it seems more likely, at least to me, that answers aren't all going to come from the same place. Reed, there are also some similarities here to the story we covered on last week's episode, where five sex workers were killed in St. Louis between 1990 and 1991. Yeah, and maybe we should point out it's no secret that mortality rates and homicide rates are way higher among sex workers than among the general public. That's a reality today. It was a reality in the 90s when those St. Louis cases happened, and it was a reality in the 80s when these Weld County cases started. And It is incredibly sad to see that trend persist. These are all women who had lives and families outside of what they did for work. And one of the reasons Janet and Darius told me they wanted to cover these cases is they didn't feel like the cases had received enough media attention over the years. And maybe if they had, who knows, more tips might have come in. There might have been more pressure to get the cases solved. Maybe if you're dealing with the same killer in more than one of them, that killer could have been stopped. One other thing I wanted to bring up before we wrap up here, Darius Johnson also talked on air about how the passing of time affects the investigation into these cases at this point. Here's that clip. You know, you talk about this concept of time being hard with suspects or potential suspects passing away with time. Um, But could it also be helpful with new technologies that helping solve the case? Yeah, you know, that's one thing that they continue to talk about. And it's really fascinating. You know, it really does get harder as time goes on because you have loved loved ones who pass and you have witnesses who pass as well. I mean, we're sitting here talking about a situation that happened 30 and 40 years ago. So imagine what could happen during that time. And it's come down to a point where if they didn't gather evidence back then, they are now having to go back and exhume bodies Mm -hmm. of the victims to be able to gather evidence to start to piece things together. Um, Going into their case file room, you have all of these boxes, sometimes nine, nine boxes connected to a name, and you have to sift through all of that. Handwritten files 30 and 40 years ago. All right, Reed, thanks for bringing us the story this week. And also thanks to Darius Johnson and also Janet Orvets at KUSA in Denver for their help on this episode. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson, along with Reed Redmond. We'll be back next week with a new case and a new story. 